0: In 1976, my family experienced a big earthquake and many relatives passed because of the collapse of the house. When I first heard about this family tragedy, my wish was to quickly grow up and build the strongest house in
1: the world to protect people and animals. In this episode, I'm talking with Mulan Sun, who is the president of the Swiss Chinese Chamber of Architects and Artists. She is also the founder of an architectural and interior design firm based in Zurich, and a lecturer at the Lucerne University of Applied Sciences and Arts. This is the We Are ETH podcast, and I'm Susan Kish, your host. You were born and grew up in China. How did you find the ETH, and how did you make your way to Switzerland? You know, I was born in China in
0: the early 1980s, a time of Chinese economy revival, and my generation is so-called post-80s. Why is it called post-80s? I think it's it's not a Chinese definition, it's an American definition. (laughs) They gave out the name of post-80s in comparison with post-19s and so on, post-70s and so on. So this is after the Cultural Revolution? Yes. This is the young generation of China after the introduction of the one-child police and the first generation to grow up entirely within the Reform era.
1: Got it. So you had, did you have restrictions on what you could read, or were you able to study pretty openly? You know, my parents did not able to get enough
0: education they wanted because of the culture revolution up to mountains down to the countryside movement. So my family tried to give me the opportunities to obtain the best education and develop my hobbies.
1: I bet they did. And where did you study in China?
0: Uh, in 2000, I entered one of the best four architecture schools in China. It was a very fascinating time when all kind of ideas collided and I could read cutting-edge books in the university library.
1: But I bet at that time, you still did all your drafting by hand. Yes. <laughs> if I understood correctly, there was a particular book that catalyzed your interest in, in Switzerland. What? Tell us that story. Yes, exactly. One day, I happened to open a book
0: in our school library titled Swiss Architecture, and this whole book has been translated in Chinese. I was struck by the book cover, an extreme, simple, but powerful expression of a black concrete facade. Afterward, I learned about this building. It was the Kunstmuseum Liechtenstein. So
1: was it a piece of brutalist architecture on the cover or just something very simple and very powerful? At this
0: moment, it looks for me so simple, like mini minimalist architecture. Ah, okay. And I haven't seen such architecture before in China.
1: Oh, is that right? So it was a whole new school of approach to architecture. And you found out about the museum. And how did you connect the dots to figure out that you had to go to the ETH? Just at that moment of reading, I
0: was like struck by lightning and made up my mind that I wanted to study architecture at the best university in Switzerland. I want to know this country. And this best university uh, is, of course, the ATH.
1: I understand that. Who was the architect who did that building? And did you ever have a chance to meet him or her? I found out at that moment. It was Professor
0: Christian Keritz. I was very lucky to have him as my supervisor for my master thesis at ATH.
1: Oh, well, you really closed that circle. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> that is great. Thank that you. is great. So you went from seeing a picture, a cover of a book in a library in China to going all the way over to Switzerland and actually being able to study with that professor. That's a great story. Once you decided you wanted to do that... Did you apply to the ETH and get accepted, or did you have to move to Switzerland and then apply, or how did you actually get into the ETH? I got my
0: confirmation from ETH Mm -hmm. in 2005 with a requirement that I should, I must pass the German examination, which is C2. That would have been a little
1: bit intimidating, Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> Actually, I didn't know how
1: difficult was C2 at that time. How long did you have to study? Ten, ten months. Oh, boy. That must have been very intense. Yes. I came to
0: Switzerland with the level of zero. <laughs> A
1: zero in Switzerland. <laughs> Which was harder, learning German or studying architecture?
0: Both are difficult, but both are also very happy for me you know i still tell people that i spent the best part of my 20s at the ath Quebec.
1: i can i can only imagine and it must have been a really interesting time to study architecture at that point
0: yes um, to be honest i had much cultural shock when i first arrived in switzerland in 2005 because here was so different from chinese culture and mentality
1: well, Zurich must have felt very small and very different. Yes. I have a problem by understanding the scale,
0: because if I look at a map at the time, from A to B, in China, I should calculate how many hours take a bus and metro and so on. But if I look at the map in cities from A to B, it was just by walk 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a real difference in scale, that's yes. great, <laughs> that's great. But I, I think
0: I, the first year for me is not very comfortable. It is also, it is a sense of discomfort comfort, and uh, full of skepticism because I was not sure if studying abroad was really the right path for me.
1: So what was it like being a master student? Did you meet new people? Was it a different approach? Uh, Was it more difficult than you expected? What was it like to be a master's candidate at that time? At the beginning, when
0: I passed C2 exam and arrived at ATH in Quebec, I took a lecture by an architecture professor and I couldn't understand anything. (laughs) So at the end of this lecture, I cried. I cried just in the lecture hall. (laughs) And another Swiss colleague he came to me and said to mm-hmm. me uh, don't worry don't cry we also couldn't understand
1: <laughs> <laughs> so in other words it wasn't just you <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> i i really appreciate that so many friends knew my feeling and support my feeling and there was a very magical moment as i arrived at atiha back HIL. The architecture school building and reached the library, I had a feeling of a space travelling, like being alone in the outer space. The quiet surrounding made me my whole heart settle down. So I love it very much.
1: So you come to Switzerland, you figure out you're going to learn German, you do that, you get in the program, you survive the program and flourish, it sounds like, even though it's so different. So what was it like afterwards when you had to practice and actually be an architect? It's always tough in those first few positions in architecture, but what was it like in Switzerland? Because you you don't look like what I imagine a Swiss architect looks like. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you know, uh, I think ADH is one of the best
0: cradle for training professional architect. I don't have any problem to, for entering my uh, profession as an architect, so I have worked in several architecture firms after graduation, but... It was not always easy. <laughs> if there was a standard image of a Swiss architect, it would be an older man and a native architect. And you know, I'm the opposite. A young, relatively young, <laughs> female, foreign architect. Not that I accepted this prejudice from the beginning, but I found it challenging and interesting to turn this kind of this advantage to my own advantage. Um, I think there to be a unique architect is my goal, because my upbringing in China and how Etihad shaped me
1: have become my invaluable values. Did you find that your difference in perspective and your difference in view, because you were not native, Mm -hmm. was that helpful as you worked as an architect in these firms? Did you challenge them? Was it comfortable? Being an
0: architect is a job, you know, where you must use all your sensitivities to life to identify mm-hmm. problems and use your creat- uh, creativity to solve them. So this is a common sense. And I'm fortunate that I love what I do. I'm willing to work hard at it. <laughs> so Sounds 2000- like you need
1: to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So in 2015, I founded my own firm with my business partner, SML Architectur, because I wanted to make a unique architecture office that relies on a blend of far East Eastern mentality and concepts, with Swiss appreciation for precision in execution. At the same time, I also founded the Swiss-Chinese Chamber of Architects and Artists, to exchange in the academic and professional fields between China and Switzerland. And I think <laughs> I have a lot to do, but at the same time, I didn't give up my academic career. After working as a teaching assistant at ETH for several years, I was invited as a guest lecturer at the Tianjin University in China to continue my academic teaching work. And in 2020, I was very lucky to start to teach at Hochschule Luzern and the lead an architecture research project, the Culture Water, with Kyoto Institute of Technology in Japan. And this is a very exciting, interesting project. We use architecture design and social science as a creative method of research to develop plausible versions to contemporary positions with, on, next to the water around Lake Lutsen and Lake Biba in Japan, and explore
1: the interaction between nature and culture. So what is the current status of the Culture of Water project? What are you doing right now? Uh, Now,
0: this year, I'm working on the publication of the results of our research and teaching experience in the last five years and the related exhibitions are also in preparation. I very much look forward.
1: So one of the things that I read about in doing your background was around the tea ceremony, which I always think of as a very Japanese ceremony. How did you, as an architect, as a teacher, as a researcher, become so engaged in a Japanese tea ceremony? How did that happen? Uh, I think it is not a matter of time
0: or energy, but a matter of self-orientation. Years ago, I went to Museum Ritberg in Zurich to participate in a Japanese tea ceremony. When I first walked into this tea room, you know, I'm Chinese, and I also understand there's common things between China and Japan. So Mm -hmm. as soon as I entered this room, the wood, the smell, and the proportion of the space immediately made me understand that this was the ideal architecture for me. Huh. And it was there that I first made my tea master, Mukai Sensei. And for the past eight years, the tea ceremony has become an integral part of my life and career.
1: When you say that, does that mean you practice the tea ceremony on a regular basis, or you design tea ceremony spaces, or what does that mean when you say it's an integral part of your life? So now
0: my sensei, my tea master, they retired and left the tea school to me and the other two tea colleagues to manage. And life pushed me to teach not only architecture, but also tea ceremony. But eventually the two things are one, because teaching is for me the best way to learn and and explore the world. I think for me as an architect, I have a many uh, tea house projects. We have once per month our tea school, which takes place in sometime in my project in tea house, and this
1: is a really magical moment for me. How does one take a class in your tea school? Do you still do it at the Museum Riedberg, or...? Where do I sign up to take your class?
0: Uh, in many places in Switzerland <laughs> Badragat, Sagans, Basel, Zurich, Winterthur, Neuhausen, and some of these places are the project from our architecture
1: company. Very cool. All right, <laughs> so that sounds like I'll have to do that on my next visit. Yes, please. <laughs> I will invite you. Huh? <laughs> Thank you. So, can you explain specifically what? is it around the tea ceremony and architecture that you find most interesting? And what have you been doing in that area?
0: Yes, my architecture firm has many completed and ongoing tea house projects. Why is the tea house such a special category of architecture? Because I think tea house is not only an object, but also a stage for perceiving the four seasons. For example, there is a lot of wisdom um, in architecture thermodynamics in a tea house, how to use the least amount of energy to create a space that is warm in winter and cool in summer. Tea house is a very good example of such topology. So I most believe in practice and teach architecture topology, not technology. What is architectural typology? What does that mean? Architectural typology means that you use this smart or clever architecture typology to solve thermodynamic things Mm -hmm. and to kind of bring the cool air inside and make the waste air outside. So all of this, you can make a solution by architecture itself, not by technology. You don't have to use air conditioning. You don't have to use heating. You don't have to use energy, or only
1: the least energy. That sounds like the ultimate sustainable architecture. Mm, Yes.
0: (laughs) I think you were sitting once in our tea tea house, and I believe your five senses, sight, hear, smell, taste, and touch, will be 100% reactivated in the tea house.
1: When you are in Switzerland, and you're trying to bring together, the, the cultures of the Far East, what is your greatest challenge in bringing those two worlds together? I think
0: there's things in the world that have meaning as long as they're put into action done. And there are also things that are not just paid into a moment of action. Its main value and meaning comes from doing it well and doing it into the extremely well. So I think the ATH is where it makes us intellectuals, scientists, etc. Mm-hmm. But how to make knowledge into wisdom is our life
1: topic. And that sounds like a universal question. Very much. Well I'm going to ask just in summary, it's how would you describe that ATH has influenced your life and your career? Mm-hmm. I think ATH shaped me a lot. I finished
0: my personal evolution at ATH. <laughs> I can see biological and also spiritual, I was totally different person and before entering ATH. And
1: does ATH still play a role in your life today? Yes, very much. Can you give an example? For
0: example, I have some moment that if I have a difficult in life or have a question. I want to stand again on the rooftop of the Etiha School of Architecture. <laughs> Maybe you know this place. Uh, because I always found my beginner's heart there. And I think the beginner's heart is the best teacher for me to lead my
1: life. That is a lovely phrase, the beginner's heart. What does that mean for you? What does that look like? Beginner's heart, I think, is look back and find the origin. Look back and find the origin. And I guess it also requires you to clear your mind to be a fresh beginner. Yes. Wonderful. That's a lovely expression. And also like kind of purify myself. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And it's also a lovely expression in a world where being a beginner is sometimes seen as a weakness. And you're mm-hmm. putting it as a source of strength. Yes. I, I
0: don't think our life is like we learn from one to hundred I think I learn from 1 to 10 and go back to 1 and a 10 again, like a circle. All these circle will shape a line from 1 to 100.
1: I love that. I love that expression, <laughs> an extreme image. So you've, you now live in Zurich, and I have to ask you, what is your favorite place in Zurich? Uh, I have one. I will share with okay. you. <laughs> my favorite
0: place is Museum Ritberg. Oh, I
1: should have known that. <laughs> and
0: the park. And, and it is a beautiful museum. I can find a piece of my hometown there because of the great exhibition of Asia art.
1: Oh, fabulous. And did you always know you wanted to be an architect? Was it what you wanted to be when you grew up? No, not from the beginning.
0: I think as I was a teenager, I wanted to become a science fiction writer. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sometime in my life, my parents told a family history story. And in 1976, my family experienced a big earthquake Mm -hmm. and many relatives passed because of the collapse of the house. Mm -hmm. And also our pets. We have many pets. Dog, cat, bird, turtle. When I firstly heard about this family tragedy, my wish was to quickly grow up and build the strongest house in the world to protect people and animals. From another earthquake. In
1: case there is earthquake. Well, recent events and the horrible earthquakes in Turkey and Syria make that even more relevant and even more important. Yes. Do you have a specific memory from your years in Hohenberg that you'd like to share a day or an event (laughs) or a a specific class or a lecture? I have so many beautiful
0: moments at (laughs) Etihad, but the most important moment didn't happen on the Hinkerbeck. It was the moment I first met my husband. <laughs> okay, that's an important one. <laughs> Who was also an architecture student at ETH at that time. We sat face-to-face on the same train from Zurich to ETH Studio Basel. And this moment means, of course, a lot to me, although I didn't know it at the, at the time.
1: Very, very cool. That's a lovely story. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, what is it that you are learning about right now what is it you're taking a beginner frame of mind around right now you know
0: my son is 12 years old now mm-hmm. and i'm very much curious about his future and mm-hmm. how human and nature could coexist in this 21st century we often say that the architecture and the construction industry is a barometer of the climate change but mm-hmm. I have the feeling that this barometer is too slow by now. We should take immediate action to reduce landfills and the destruction of air, water, and nature habitats. So this is not to say that we don't need architecture anymore, but to completely rethink what kind of architecture is needed.
1: Great way to summarize. Thank you. And Mulan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, It's been a wonderful conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I'm Susan Kish, host of the We Are ETH series, telling the story of the alumni and friends of the ETH Zurich, the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich. ETH regularly ranks amongst the top universities in the world with cutting-edge research, science, and people. The people who were there, the people who are there, and the people who will be there. Please subscribe to this podcast and join us wherever you listen. And give us a good rating on Spotify or Apple if you enjoyed today's conversation. Finally, I'd like to thank our producers at ETH Circle and LA Media, and also to thank you, our listeners, for joining us.